Hi everyone, welcome to the Power Pod, a space to elevate your life and help you feel more powerful. My name is Alexa and I am the host of this podcast and best-selling author of Power to Persevere. My goal is to help you improve your life through wellness tips and motivation and support you on your journey through life. Make sure you stay tuned for new episodes weekly. Hello, everyone. I figured this would be an appropriate episode to launch this week as last week's episode was all about hypothalamic amenorrhea and healing from eating disorders with Brianna. So stay tuned for more tips and tricks on how to stay healthy and also get through any type of disordered eating or way of viewing health and your body through spirituality in this week's episode with Sloan. Yes. Thank you so much, Alexa, for having me. I'm so glad that we're finally able to connect and get this going. It's going to be so fun. So yes, as Alexa said, I'm a food freedom coach. I help women eat with love and intuition using science and spirituality. I live in Miami Beach now, but I'm originally from Los Angeles and I actually lived in New York for a year too. Um, So we've we've overlapped here and there. Um, And I'm just so, so excited to be here and answer the questions and share the wisdom and get all the juices flowing. Yeah. So tell us about yourself, how your whole entire journey started from when you first discovered that you had an eating disorder into developing into this new way of life where you actually were able to integrate spirituality and heal yourself. So where where did it all begin? Yeah. So really for me, it was in high school that I started questioning my relationship with food, questioning my body image. And I grew up feeling like pretty confident, pretty normal, healthy with food. And then it was when I started actually developing into like an adult body, like years post quote puberty, right? Like when I got my period, it was years later that my body actually started changing and developing and gaining weight and just like filling out. But I didn't know that that was going to happen. And I actually posted a reel and a TikTok about this a few, like a month ago. And it is like my most viral video ever has like over a million views because I think a lot of women also had a similar experience or are having a similar experience right now where they start gaining weight and their body changes and it's supposed to happen, but we didn't know that. And so it triggers this fear of why am I gaining weight? What's wrong with me? What's happening? Like feeling out of control. And I definitely felt out of control. And so I started looking for control through food and trying to be as perfect as possible and as healthy as possible. But of course, that led me down a path that was not at all healthy. And so that's where the disordered eating really started. It was because of the body image, but something that I talk about with all of my clients and talk a lot about on Instagram and TikTok is that it wasn't even about the body. It was about self-worth and it was about control and perfectionism and feeling like, wait, I'm not in control wait, I'm no, I'm no longer perfect because this is, quote, bad that this is happening. Right. So that led me to realizing, okay, I need to heal my relationship with food. Like this can very quickly go down a very bad path. It was kind of a slippery slope where I realized, okay, if I continue going down this path, I will have an eating disorder. I don't technically have one now, but it's definitely disordered eating. So I started learning the science. I was like very math and science kind of girl. So I wanted to know 
what's actually true? Why are people scared about eating bananas? Like eating more than half a banana a day. Like why are people scared of sugar? Why are people scared of carbs? Why are people scared of calories? Like what's actually going on? I want to know the truth. So that led me down the science path. And knowing the logical information and being able to bust all of those myths was for sure helpful, but it wasn't the entire picture at all because you can logically know something, but not yet fully feel safe believing it. Right. Right. So by then diving into the spiritual side and looking at my relationship with perfectionism, with control, with my higher self and like the true essence of me, that's when it all clicked. And I realized, oh, this is what it was actually about pretty much the entire time. Right. So I want to backtrack a little bit in the stages of when you were actually realizing that you had these disordered ways of eating. um, I feel like a lot of my listeners do have this as well. They come to me, a lot of my friends even come to me. They have gut issues. They start restricting. And um, I also just had a friend recently tell me that she hasn't had her period for three months and she has a very poor way of looking at food and have like, she's a very poor relationship with her body. And my listeners know from a previous podcast that I've recently recorded with Brianna, um, I'll put the link down in the description as well, that I also developed this really poor way of having a relationship with food. And I also was trying to control everything around my life after I got out of chemotherapy because it was so toxic. I lost my period for a couple of years and I felt like a mess. And the only thing that helped me was reading books about how to get your period back, about like self-love, self-worth, something that you touched on upon. And then also just like going all in into like just eating and nourishing myself with everything that I needed to actually nourish to fuel and thrive. Um, so taking a step back, um, what, what are some types of like eating disorders? Do you have to be diagnosed with an eating disorder to have a disordered way of looking at food? Can you walk us through that a little bit? Absolutely. So there are standard criteria for a medical professional to diagnose you with an eating disorder. It is a medical term, like anorexia is a medical term, um, bulimia, right? Like there are, there are definitely criteria. For me as a coach, since I'm not a doctor, I'm also not a registered dietitian. I'm on the path to becoming a holistic nutritionist, so it's slightly different. But as a coach, like I'm here to help anybody who doesn't have the most incredible, thriving, loving, intuitive relationship with food. Like I believe that normal isn't <laughs> – this might sound crazy, but normal isn't good enough for me because you can have a normal relationship with food. And If that's good enough for you, that's perfect. Like, I'm not here to say everybody needs my help, but I'm just saying you can get to this place where you have the literal best relationship with food in your body that you've ever had. So for me, if a client comes to me and they're like, I'm not sure if I'm overeating or if I'm binge eating, I don't really care. Like, if you don't feel good with food, let's help you feel incredible with food. 
at the same time, like because I'm a coach and sometimes someone who is like in the throes of anorexia might need more intense support. Like I know my limits and that might not be an ideal client for me. So if it matters to you and you really want to know if there is a diagnosis, then I would recommend seeking help from your general practitioner or registered dietitian. But if that doesn't matter to you and you just feel like, hmm, I'm kind of like consistently overeating or I'm worrying about food a lot, it's taking up a lot of my brain space, you don't have to be, quote, sick enough to receive support. Like if you don't feel optimal, then you, I want you to feel empowered to get whatever level of support feels good for you so that you feel, yes, normal, but even above and beyond that, like you feel amazing with food in your body. So you mentioned before also that there's this cycle of control that you have to break. How did you break that control cycle? And also how do you see your clients breaking it through your work and practice too? Is it through affirmations? Is it through um, journaling? Is it through just working with a coach in general like you? Have you seen people break out of cycles and have you done it yourself? Uh, control. Yeah. So in the Food Freedom Collective, that is everybody's favorite module. It's a, it's like everybody's favorite because it's so critical. And I'm thinking of even creating a mini course like just on control because I think it's so huge. And that's where, as I mentioned, like the spirituality started coming in for me. I realized that I was a control freak, not just with food, but with other areas of my life. So we need to understand what feels unsafe about trusting that everything is under control. Um, I really believe that without fear and without like the ego, which isn't really possible because we're humans, but let's just say that we could take it away and we were just being our most divine essential selves. Like there wouldn't be fear and there wouldn't be ego. And in that state, I really believe that like abundance is the standard. I believe that love is the standard. I believe that everything being pretty much in flow and under control is the standard. Yeah. And I feel like maybe, you know, as also young women, as young adults too, we probably didn't have that when we were growing up. We don't know what that feels like mentally. We don't have those neural pathways to, I guess, really help us know that we, we, we don't have to control food. Like we already have, like we are in control spiritually, energetically. We don't need to actually egotistically try to control, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so I think what you mean and what I mean also is that I like thinking about being under control instead of in control. So if I'm trying to be 100% in control of my food and my body, then I'm thinking brain-wise, right? Like, oh my gosh, I need to plan this, need to count this, need to think about this. Whereas trusting that everything is under control means, okay, brain, you're smart, you have some control. Digestive system, like thank goodness we don't have to think about all of the enzymes and how they should operate when we are digesting our lunch. Like Thank God, right? That would take up, it would be a full-time job, right? right? Our body is doing so much. That we do, we don't have to even think about it. Our body has divine wisdom. Yep. So actually consciously noticing that, like, wow, my body is in control of so much. Okay, beautiful. We have this umbrella of control. 
for me, the universe, source, God, like that energetic entity has my back. The universe controls some stuff for me. Okay, so that's under control. So now I have this umbrella of control. I have like a team. It's my brain. Yes, it's my cravings. They have their own thing going on. My blood sugar and my insulin and my pancreas, they have their own thing going on. My stomach and my hunger cues, like they have their own thing going on. So now I'm under the umbrella of control. So when you ask, okay, like how do you actually do that? Is it journaling? Is it affirmations? It's subconscious rewiring. And yes, I do use the affirmations in journaling as little tools to help in the healing process, but it is really deep healing. Like it is deep and it is transformational and it really starts in the subconscious mind. So as you said, maybe growing up, you didn't have the best display of of trust in body and trust just in general because food is just the thing that all of the subconscious limiting beliefs are kind of manifesting through. For some people, it's food. For some people, it's alcohol. For some people, it's drugs. For some people, it's just it's self-sabotage with money and career. But it all boils down to the same stuff. Right. It just so happens that food is a really popular one and it's one I'm really passionate about. But the beautiful thing is when you heal those subconscious limiting beliefs around control with food, you're able to then heal the control that you were gripping onto with money or with finding a romantic partner because it's all the same. Right. And not to deviate from food, um, I would also like – I mean, I guess it's it would be interesting to also hear how – when your clients start to heal the relationship with food, what else do you see them healing in their lives? Like, oh, yeah. Really amazing stories that they shared with you and that you've seen in your personal life too. Oh my gosh. It literally, I kid you not, Alexa, it, it changes everything because again, like food. Okay. So if you know the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's like a psychology thing, right? On the bottom, it's what do we need first to survive? And like the very top of the pyramid is like almost nirvana. It's like ascension. It's past the ego, right? It's like the top, top self-love. Okay. In order to get there, in order to get to caring about and having community, caring about other people, the bottom of the pyramid includes food. It's like food, shelter, safety. So if you don't feel safe and you don't feel intuitive and loving with food, that's at least three times a day where you're coming up against something that's stressing you out and that's creating blocks in your body and in your mind. So I mean, you're eating at work. It's affecting your work. Therefore, it's affecting your career. It's affecting your finances. Right. And if you're You're, nourished, then you can't think straight. Yep. Yep. If you're nourished correctly, then mm -hmm. when you exercise, you're not going to actually have an efficient exercise or workout. Yep. So exactly. Anything in life that you want to focus on and you feel like food is taking up your focus, that's going to improve. So I, so many clients have changed jobs while they work with me or they've, they've asked for a raise or they have manifested money or they've manifested a new romantic partner or they've set boundaries, like they set boundaries at work because now they realize I am deserving, I am lovable, I am worthy exactly as I am, and I deserve more respect, and I deserve to prioritize my health, therefore I'm not bringing work home with me. 
Mm. And like they set that boundary there with their coworkers or with their boss. Um, I've had people, you know, have, especially moms, oh my gosh, like huge transformations in their schedules and in their delegation, right? Like asking to carpool, asking their partner for more support, like major role shifting boundaries, cleaning up because if they felt like they had to control food. Well, I also have to control all of the kids' schedules and I have to control dinner and I have to control the weekend. Like, okay, but what if you learned how to be under control with food in your body and then you allowed your kids' schedules to also be under control? Exactly. Yeah. So it's everything. So let's go back to food. How yes. do people know that they're satisfied, that they're satiated, and how do they also recognize their hunger cues? Because I know you've also had a bunch of videos around this pop up too. Like, how do you know if yeah. you're actually hungry, or maybe you're? Like, how do you know if you're full, or if your stomach is physically full and you're still hungry mentally? Like, mm. what you're doing? Okay. So you're right. I have been making a lot of videos about this because people are asking the questions, and somebody commented on my video saying haven't you heard that your stomach growling is when you're hungry? If you're waiting until your stomach is growling, you're waiting too long. Yeah. Yeah. So that's BS. So it's very hard to describe. And at the same time, hunger does feel very different from fullness. So if you're like, I actually cannot tell if I'm hungry or full, then what I would say is try to use your brain and your brain's wisdom as you are warming up your body wisdom again. Because your body wisdom is there, but if you've been restricting, if you've been dieting, if you've been overeating, you're basically telling your very sensitive, nuanced body cues to fuck off and that they don't matter. Right. So if you're like, I'm not going to listen to the hunger, I'm not going to listen to the fullness, then your hunger cues are like, fine, bye. Let us know when you're ready again. Like, why – Right? Like, I'm not going to fight you here. So, your hunger cues are still there. Your fullness cues are still there. You just need to allow them space and they're not going to come back overnight. So, what I would say is, you know, let's say it's close to dinner time. So, you're using your brain. You logically know that you should be getting hungry soon and you kind of feel something maybe in your body. Like tap into that and start associating that feeling with, okay, this is probably fullness. And then you've eaten dinner, let's say, and you've eaten an amount that like logically into your eyes, into your brain is like, okay, I probably should feel full-ish at this point. Tap in again. That probably feels different than how your stomach felt 20 minutes ago. So you can start kind of re- wiring and reassigning the body cue with the brain cue. Um, That's a really good place to start if you're like, I literally cannot tell the difference because let's be real, like they do feel very different. And once you allow yourself the space and the healing to get there, it'll become very easy to tell. Um, And sometimes fullness doesn't feel like distension, right? It doesn't feel like, oh my God, my stomach is so full. I need to unbutton my jeans. Um, Fullness can sometimes just feel like neutral, right? If hunger feels like, "Mm, it's something, it's like a little bit agitated. I feel like a little bit empty. And then you fill up and you're like, oh, now I'm kind of neutral. That can be fullness 
also. Right. Um, yeah, I feel like for me, some of my cues are like, I'll start yeah. to get a little dizzy and lightheaded. I don't so much yeah. have growling in my stomach. I, I, I Once I start to like maybe have like my head throbbing or I feel like a little like lightheaded, a little weak, that's when I'm like, I need food. And then I'll eat and feel fine. Like I've noticed I'll just eat when I'm hungry. I'll stop when I'm full. Hormones balanced out. Life has gotten good. I feel more nourished 24-7. I probably eat the most food out of all of my friends. I have no idea how I've managed to honestly eat as much food as I do. (laughs) Like I'll eat every like three hours a legit meal. But I I feel good because I've practiced some of these things you said. Like I've, you know got in touch with my body and I'm nourishing when it's saying I need to be nourished. So that's great advice. Hello, my beautiful people. If you are enjoying this podcast so far, I encourage you at this time to give it a five-star review and write a beautiful comment. And if you think it's going to honestly help one of your loved ones, make sure you copy that link and share it with them. Thank you so much helping the podcast grow and for sticking around with me let's get back into the episode what are some um food practices people should follow maybe certain snacks that they should eat certain meals yeah so one thing i'll say also regarding like lightheadedness and feeling kind of weak or feeling distracted those are for sure signs of hunger also that are not related to your stomach Again, I think those, we don't want to wait for that. Like if you're starting to feel lightheaded, it's a little bit like you should have maybe eaten 30 minutes ago. Interesting. What if you're full and then 30 minutes later you start to feel like, oh, I need more food? If you feel genuinely full and then 30 minutes later you feel lightheaded, is that what you're saying? Like yeah. you feel – I don't know if anyone else out there feels this because I just had lunch yeah. like an hour ago and I'm like, I'm kind of getting hungry actually. <laughs> like for part right. two, like fruit with like some nut butter. I'm like, I can go for that. Yeah. Okay. So lightheadedness though and feeling like distracted, feeling weak, that is – Again, that's like a little too far. Like you shouldn't be waiting until you feel it in your head most of the time. So maybe I just didn't okay. eat enough for lunch. Yeah. So then, but if you're feeling hungry, whether it's he- like in your head, you feel the lightheadedness or just in your stomach, like you can tell that you're starting to get hungry and it's only been an hour, we probably need to change the composition of your meals a little bit oh. because yeah, meals should keep you full in my book, for like at least four hours, actually. So more protein, more fat. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. And carbs are not bad. Like, I was working with an integrative dietitian and she was like, you literally need more fat in your, in your meals. Probably. That actually filled me up more for longer Completely. Yeah. And some people might hear us saying, okay, more protein, more fat. Does that mean less carbs? No, that does not mean less carbs. Carbs are very healthy for you. Carbs are very good for you. We need carbs. And the protein and the fats are going to last you longer. Like it's going to spread. It's kind of going to hold you over longer. And the carbs are so essential for feeling satisfied, like 
during the meal. That's kind of how I think about it. Like if I don't have carbs in a meal, the meal just is missing something. But if I don't have enough fats or proteins, I'm going to get hungry like an hour and a half later. Right. You know, it could be. This is so totally going off tangent. For those listening out there, it could have been because I didn't have enough protein in my recent meal. So everyone, make sure you have more protein in your meals. On the topic of protein, I also recently saw that you posted a video, I mean a photo, um, you eating a a vegan meal. So how do vegans or people Mm. who are trying to eat more plant-based actually get enough protein in their diets? It's totally possible. You just might need to be a little bit more consciously aware of it. So if, you know, if soy feels good to you, like tofu, tempeh, edamame, also like vegetables do have protein. Like if you have a cup of broccoli, yeah. like Avocado does, nut butters do. Totally, totally. So it does accumulate for sure. And it might be supportive for you to have, you know, like a protein powder that you can use, Um, something that is more concentrated. So it's definitely possible. I found that for me, like I experimented for a year or so with being more plant forward and it didn't work well for my body. Like it just wasn't enough. Yeah. Yeah. So be honest there. My hormones worse actually. Yeah. If you're recovering from – you know, hormone imbalance, personally, I would not recommend being fully plant-based, like fully vegan. I still consider myself plant-based because I'm like, yeah, my meals are based in plants. Like the base most of the time is plant food. And I love that. And that feels really good. And I have animal proteins and products as well. Most of the time though, the meal, the base is plants. I feel like that this is same with me too. Um, but I'm noticing I, I've inter- the more I integrate more meat and, and animal proteins in my diet, the better I feel overall throughout mm-hmm. the whole entire day. Like I'll have an actual omelet in the morning with a piece of like gluten-free toast or something because I, I, gluten affects me negatively with a bunch yeah. of avocado or nut butter. Then I'll have uh, a fruit. And my friends are like, like, how are you eating all this? And then you're hungry like two hours or like three hours later. I'm like, I don't know. It's like my body wants food. But I've I've looked the best I've ever looked in my whole life. I felt, I feel the best I've looked. I mean, I feel the best I've ever felt in my whole life. So there's an act, like there's there's proof in the pudding here. There, Like yeah. once you actually tune in, you, you, you kind of get rid of that sense of control. And you just tune into your body and ask it what it, needs to be nourished with like you'll actually thrive in the world uh so let's dive in a little bit to some of the questions that i was asked by some okay so thank you everyone by the way for writing in or messaging me on text those of my friends out there listening to this first question is how well in regards to i guess some type of disordered eating or disordered way of looking at food um, or just in general relationship with food, uh, how do you know you are fully recovered in the process of healing yourself? This is the first question. How do you know if you're fully recovered? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's different schools of thought here. Some people believe that you're never going to be 100% recovered. I don't believe that. I believe that you can get to a place where like, 
99% you feel freaking amazing with food and your body. For some people that can feel that doesn't feel inspiring cuz they're like I can't even imagine getting there and then they feel bad when they have a dip or like a down day and it feels more inspiring to think, you know what? It's okay to always struggle. So either take that or leave that. If it feels inspiring to you though, know that it's very possible to get to a place where you feel most of the time, like 99%, you feel great. And the timeline is going to be different for everybody. So I would say being honest with yourself, that's how you're going to know. And continuing to be curious, continuing to be curious, huh? Like, is there a reason why I kind of always choose that food? Like, is there a fear perhaps of another food? And just, and maybe there's not, but maybe there is. And maybe that's like a new layer for you to tap into. So I would say curiosity and honesty with yourself is really like there's nobody else can tell you if like how you feel and if you feel fully healed. So that's going to be something that um, you're going to have to tap into for yourself. But creating that self-awareness is so beautiful. Right. I I agree. I think if you know once I, – I, I believe that everyone can be healed of something. You can always be in remission. Like once you have a diagnosis, it's part of you. It's part of your journey, but I don't think it should be you. It shouldn't define you. I believe that you can be healed. So I totally agree with that too. The second question I got is if someone has been struggling unconsciously their whole life with food, how do they talk about it or admit that they're struggling with food? It. For me and the clients that come to me, typically they end up being like triggered by something and that trigger finally brings it a little bit into their awareness. So that's why I'm pretty like – I kind of create triggering content sometimes. And the reason for that is to snap people out of their autopilot reality. So I'm saying, hey, it's not your fault, but that's not normal. Do you want – to feel better? Like what's like a triggering piece of content or something that you feel like is triggering? Um uh, hmm. I feel like so some of the content for me that's like done the best, I would say like quote visibility-wise and number of views is because it like it triggers an emotion. Triggering doesn't actually necessarily mean it's bad. It's like whoa, like, wait a second, I'm feeling something. So I have been creating some content that basically says, you know, the the reason why you might be struggling to release weight if you're someone that doesn't want to be seen, is constantly wearing baggy clothes, hides behind other people in photos, like the reason why you can't release weight isn't because you don't have willpower in the gym. It's because of your subconscious belief that you're not safe enough to be seen. Yeah. Therefore, the extra layers on your body might be a protected a protection mechanism. Right. And people are seeing these videos I'm posting and they're like, oh my God, I feel so called out. Yeah. So then they're like, oh shit. Yeah, actually, this is me. This has been me for the past decade okay, let me look at more of Sloan's content. Oh, I do that too. Interesting. So, right. And it might just be that, okay, you've been unconsciously behaving that way for years, but then you go to lunch with your friend and you realize she eats totally differently from you. 
And one day you're like, wait, I wonder why that is. Mm -hmm. So something that kind of makes you feel something, right? Something that triggers you, something that triggers an emotion that kind of snaps you out of it. And this, that's why I love triggers actually. If it feels safe, right? We don't want it to be a trigger that like puts you into a trauma response. But if I see let's say a business coach posts something about their monthly income and I kind of feel like jealous or I feel like, is that real? They must be lying or like she's bragging, right? Some in the past I've had these thoughts. I actually lean into that. I'm like, oh, how can – like maybe I need to expand my money mindset or maybe I need to look at my own confidence in my business savviness and then that – elevates me to be like, hmm, maybe that's something that I want to grow in or get support in. Yeah. Does that make sense? What if you're the person who is being judged by other people by the way that you're eating? It's not about you. It's about the person judging you. Ah, it is true. Yeah. <laughs> so I – you know, if that's why also like as a coach, obviously I'm intentionally creating content that's not just triggering. That's also like very inspiring and very helpful. And if someone judges me, then I just kind of send out like a healing vibe. And I'm like, yeah, right. And I'm like protection, like this isn't affecting me. And I hope that whatever you're feeling, this trigger ends up serving you in the best way possible, whether it's now or later. And I know that I am living my life with love. So I I don't feel guilty. I don't feel bad. I don't feel like I'm in the wrong. Um, I'm always open to constructive criticism, of course. And like, you know, I never want to hurt anybody's feelings. So I think that's different, but stay in your own lane. Love that. Um, we actually have a bunch of other questions here to touch up on already in the interview itself, but I want to ask you just two questions before we end the podcast. Okay. Number one, what is your favorite meal? What are you craving my, right now? My favorite meal – okay, I'm not craving this right now, but my favorite meal is definitely an acai bowl, and mm-hmm. there's one – like super cute cafe in Miami. That's my favorite. It's such a vibe. Mm-hmm. It's called Under the Ma- Under the Mango Tree. It's How do you find your power or what makes you feel powerful? Okay. There are two main things. One is being by the ocean and being outside and just being reminded of limitlessness and expansion and abundance. Like the ocean always does that for me. So Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I try to do consistently. And the second is I have what I call the freedom wall, which is a wall in my office of all the names of my clients on sticky notes. And so just like looking at that makes me feel really powerful, really proud. And again, just like really harness my power. Like I didn't do the healing for them. They did the healing, but I was able to empower them, which feels really amazing. I love that. And where can people find you or work with you? Okay, so on Instagram, I'm Sloan Elizabeth, and that's how you can connect with me. And I also am on TikTok, and all the links are there. And there's a few ways to work with me. Um, the Food Freedom Collective is my main food freedom healing program, and you can book a consultation call so that we can see if it's a good and perfect fit for you. And then I also have different online courses like the Body Love Blueprint, which is just for body image, as well as a mindful eating starter kit. It's $29 
dollars. It's like the best way to kind of get into my world, get a taste of it, and get a ton of resources to just start eating really mindfully and eating with more peace. So there's a few different options that you can just purchase and invest in right away. But if you want the full healing process or you want to consider one-on-one, then you can book a consultation call and that way we can have a chat and meet. I love this. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, sharing your wisdom and your positive energy. Thank you so much for having me, Alexa. This was amazing. Bye, everyone.